0: welcome to this episode of my podcast series the view from my middle finger where i look at the world through the many social media platforms this is the view through my middle finger where your opinion matters but the view always looks different from my middle finger
1: social media made me do it.
0: Technology plays a role in all of our lives. Unless you're living off-grid in some remote wilderness location, technology is most likely going to intrude into your life, sometimes with your knowledge and other times without. In this episode of The View from My Middle Finger, we will look at how technology has assisted in the capture of criminals, how the judicial system now uses technology in ways never applied before, and how the lure of social media is just too much to resist for some criminals who just have to advertise their exploits for all to see, including the law. Let's kick off this episode with a series of incidents where these people could not resist the urge to post on social media while undertaking unlawful activities. I mean, what the hell? Never let an opportunity pass you by to post on social media, regardless of whether it may lead to a stint in the county jail.
2: In March 2012, incompetent criminal Michael Baker came upon an unattended police cruiser in Jenkins, Kentucky. While most people would simply walk on by, 20-year-old Baker took a different approach. He grabbed a gas can, stuck a siphon hose into the car, and had his girlfriend Joanne Sindelin snap a charming photo as he brandished his middle finger. The fun could have ended there, but Baker went one step further, proudly posting the photo to his Facebook account. Along with friends and family, Jenkins police officials also saw the picture and Baker was consequently arrested and charged with theft by unlawful taking. Baker explained to local media outlets that there was hardly any fuel in the squad car and the whole exercise was intended only as a joke. He told TV station WYMT, We was just standing there and thought it would be funny to take a picture and then post it on Facebook. Sandalin added, yeah, we're sorry, but it was just a joke. I mean, if we was going to steal gas, we wouldn't put it nationwide on Facebook. We don't steal anyway, but we're sorry. Police Chief Alan Borms told media that if Baker was willing to steal from the police, he'd steal from just about anybody. Despite his impressive explanation and his girlfriend's heartfelt apology, Baker spent the night in jail as a result of this photo opportunity. After he was released, he got right back on social media, posting, Just got out of jail. Yeah, lol, I went to jail over Facebook. Sounds like he learned his lesson, right? Kevin Gaines Jr. of DeLand, Florida, was a wanted man in November 2019. The 20-year-old was sought by police on several charges. Possession of a firearm by a delinquent, grand theft auto, criminal mischief, and having no valid driver's license. He was also considered armed and dangerous. You'd think with that list, Gaines would want to keep a low profile. Think again. After successfully evading authorities for about a month, Gaines made an interesting decision on December 26th. He went live on Instagram. Little did he know, a police deputy had spotted the car Gaines had stolen parked at a house on Beresford Avenue in DeLand. As Gaines broadcast to his Instagram account inside the house, a group of police officers was gathering outside with the live feed confirming Gaines's location. I am,
3: Josh, I am.
4: Ain't
5: that. Ain't that. Dave, get to the house. He just shut his live off and said the cops are here.
2: Cover. When Deputy Billy Levin shone a spotlight into the window of the home, the light was visible in the Instagram video, which ended rather suddenly when Gaines realized he'd been caught.
5: Hey, you can tell them to either come on out, or we're going to write a search warrant we'll go in and get them. Yeah, he was on a live video, and as soon as he saw the blue lights, he shut the live video off, and they said, man, hurry up, cuz they're here.
6: Yeah.
7: Get on the ground now. Get on the ground. On the ground now. Get
0: on the ground. Yeah, yeah.
5: You want to secure this house? Because we got a gun in here.
2: Gaines surrendered to the authorities, who found three firearms inside the house, plus one underneath a car in the driveway. He was successfully arrested on the many charges he had racked up before giving himself up on Instagram. British man Michael Ruse was on trial for assault in June 2012. The 21-year-old was accused of violently attacking his friend's father using a baseball bat and a baton, and he had entered a not guilty plea. Being tried for a crime is pretty stressful, but Ruse wasn't worried about being convicted. In fact, as the trial progressed, he was so convinced that he'd be found not guilty that he shared his high hopes on his Facebook account. Ruse did use a pseudonym on Facebook, posting under the name Michael Miles, but that didn't protect him from the consequences of his foolish words. Throughout his two-week trial, he shared gems like, Nearly time to leave for crown and see the stuck-up judge. But the stupidest moment of all came when Ruse shared an update that said another week at court. A friend commented on the status asking about his case and Ruse unbelievably responded, yeah, I think I got away with it to be honest. He even managed to misspell got. Six people liked this incredibly foolish status update, but one of Ruse's Facebook friends with a taste for justice printed the evidence and got it into the hands of prosecutors. Since he had been caught essentially confessing to the crime, Ruse had almost no choice but to change his plea to guilty. Ian Pearson, the judge presiding over the case, told Ruse, you pleaded guilty partway through the trial, only really because you were stupid enough to put on Facebook what amounted to a full confession. Ruse was sentenced to 46 weeks in prison for the assault. After the incident, Ruse's attorney told the media that the young man needs help with regards to thinking skills. That sounds like a serious understatement. Florida resident Whitney Beale made a very dangerous decision in October 2015. After a night of partying, she drove home drunk. But Beale didn't stop at just one stupid choice. She also decided to use the Periscope app to livestream her reckless journey. Beale can be heard on the video declaring, "If you're not new,
8: I'm driving home drunk. Let's get, let's see if I can do live." In the USA
9: people, let's
10: see if I get a DUI.
0: I don't think I will.
2: Amid the sound of fellow drivers honking at Beale, she noticed how many viewers were tuning in to her bad idea saying
9: 57 people! Oh my god! I didn't know I'd get this many people. I am super drunk in the USA and the light is red, I
11: promise.
2: But don't worry, Beale obviously had safety on her mind too. She told her shocked Periscope viewers, It's
11: not
5: cool. Driving drunk is not cool.
2: Some of those watching the video feed called 911 and a Lakeland police officer was able to locate Beale's car by logging into the live stream. She was pulled over and arrested after failing a field sobriety test. On the way to the police station, Beale reportedly threw up in the back of the cruiser. Whitney Beale pleaded no contest to a charge of driving under the influence. She was sentenced in February 2016 to 12 months of probation, alcohol evaluation and treatment, a 10-day impound of her vehicle, and a six-month suspension of her license. These are standard consequences for drunk driving. But Beale was also sentenced to 150 hours of community service and 10 days of weekend work release as a result of her decision to publicize her poor choices.
9: 29
2: year old Orlando Henderson began working at Wells Fargo in Charlotte, North Carolina in April of 2019. By December of the same year, He would be arrested in San Diego on suspicion of stealing almost $90,000 from the bank after his own social media posts helped alert authorities to his crimes. Within just two months of starting his job at Wells Fargo, Henderson began using his access to the bank vault to steal money from customer deposits. He pocketed cash on nearly 20 separate occasions starting small with a theft of $446 and working his way up to higher amounts. On July 15, 2019, he took a whopping $13,450 from the vault. Henderson was not only pocketing money, but also covering up his theft by falsifying bank documents, creating fake deposit tickets, and making false entries. He was very careful to hide his illegal activity at the bank itself, But it was another story completely when it came to Henderson's social media accounts. Henderson was not shy when it came to bragging about his finances online. Over the summer of 2019, he uploaded photos of himself holding impressive stacks of cash. He also shared pictures of a Mercedes-Benz he had purchased using a $20,000 cash down payment. This suspicious activity, along with large ATM deposits, attracted the attention of investigators, leading to Henderson's eventual arrest. The charges against Henderson included financial institution fraud, 19 counts of theft, embezzlement and misapplication, and 12 counts of making false entries. In a deal with prosecutors, he pleaded guilty to bank fraud and transactional money laundering on March 20, 2020. Henderson appeared to have aspirations as a rap artist and often used the nickname A.C. Foes online. Ironically, he'd adopted the catchphrase, ain't wit bein broke. In March 2015, Andrew Dale Markham had an experience on Facebook that most of us never will. He came across his own wanted photos. The Butler County, Ohio Sheriff's Office had posted photos of 21-year-old Markham to their Facebook page in an effort to track him down. There were several outstanding warrants on Markham, including for assault, abduction, and burglary, which is why so many people were surprised when he used his personal Facebook account to comment on the post. Somehow not realizing that it was a bad idea to announce himself on a post identifying him as a criminal suspect, Markham commented, I ain't tripping, half of them don't even know me. The sheriff's office wasted no time in responding. If you could stop by the sheriff's office, that'd be great. Hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. A neighboring county's police department even joined in on the absurd comment thread asking Markham to please stay in Butler County. Then, Butler County Sheriff Richard K. Jones brought Twitter into the mix, tweeting a picture of a jail cell with the message, Hey Andrew Markham, we've got your room ready. The interactions went viral, with many pointing out how foolish it was for a wanted man to publicly communicate with law enforcement. It didn't take Markham long to realize he was in over his head and the 21-year-old turned himself in. The sheriff's office updated their interested followers with the news, Andrew Dale Markham will be off Facebook temporarily because there is no social media access in the Butler County Jail. He's turned himself in. Thanks to our Facebook and Twitter friends for helping turn up the heat. Despite his bravado on Facebook, Markham didn't hold up so well in real life, judging by his tear-stained face in his mugshot. Melina Roberge and Isabel Legace took a big risk when they embarked on an Instagram-worthy vacation and they paid a big price. In 2016, the pair of Canadian women boarded the MSC Princess for a seven-week cruise traveling from Britain to Ireland, the United States, Bermuda, Colombia, Panama, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, and Australia. But thanks to a tip-off, when the ship docked in Sydney on August 28, police dogs discovered 35 kilos of cocaine stashed in suitcases in their cabin, including the drugs found elsewhere on the ship. The entire hall was worth around $16 million. Robertge had been approached to take the extensive trip by a wealthy Canadian man she would not identify but called her sugar daddy. They'd met in 2015 when Roberge began working as an escort for the man, and he had offered her the free vacation in May 2016. Not only would she not have to pay for travel, she'd be given spending money and an additional sum when she got home. Roberge would be a decoy, she'd room with Legace, who was on the trip to pay off a debt of her own. Their job was to look pretty and throw off any suspicion about the drug smuggling that was the true purpose of the cruise. Roberge assumed the amount of drugs being moved would be small, a few kilos at most. The money and the travel were enticing, but even more attractive was the opportunity to fill her Instagram account with photos of her luxury journey and the Instagram content was impressive. The Australian tabloids dubbed the beautiful Roberge and Legace cocaine babes, and the lifestyle they documented on social media did seem lavish indeed. They shared photos from the luxury cruise ship and from the exotic destinations where it stopped, New York, French Polynesia, Peru, the Caribbean. Two days before the ship arrived in Sydney, the women's luggage was stuffed with cocaine by others involved in the crime. They were told to pass through customs with the drugs, but they never had the chance. In April 2018, Roberge was sentenced to eight years in Australian prison for her part in the smuggling attempt. Legace was sentenced in November to seven and a half years. Both women are likely to spend four years and nine months there before being deported back to Canada. Their fellow Canadian smuggler, 65-year-old Andre Taman, was sentenced to eight years as well. What's the first thing a thief does when he successfully pulls off a job? In the case of this gang, the answer is sharing the evidence on Instagram. In November, 2019, a group of young men who stole luxury cars in Leeds, England decided they should brag about their crimes on social media. They created an Instagram account called Mr. Dingers and began posting photos and videos of themselves posing with the stolen vehicles. The thieves took care to hide their identities, even while publicizing their illegal activity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Burglars
5: from
2: the ends. Little legends. 21-year-old Frankie Allwork shared a photo of himself in front of a stolen Audi A6 worth nearly $85,000, his face obscured by an emoji. 20-year-olds James Holroyd and Bryn Carey posed in similar pictures and a video shared on January 7, 2020, where they drove the stolen Audi. That video alone garnered more than 30,000 views. Unfortunately for these young men, the West Yorkshire police were already hard at work investigating a series of car thefts in the area that had taken place over a period of several months. When CCTV footage captured Allwork tossing a cigarette butt into some bushes, investigators were able to retrieve it and test it for DNA, which broke the case wide open in February 2020. Once the trio were in custody, police also found the original incriminating photo of Allwork, with his face clearly visible on one of their mobile phones. It's hard to argue your innocence when you documented the crime yourself. All three Instagrammers admitted to burglary and theft charges in Leeds Crown Court. Allwork was sentenced to four years and six months, Holroyd to 34 months, and Carey to 32 months. Perhaps social media fame isn't all it's cracked up to be. In May 2015, 23-year-old Dominic Antonio Alfonseca robbed a bank in Virginia Beach. He walked into the establishment, handed the teller a note demanding cash, received it, and left. At this point, most thieves would be satisfied with a job well done. But Alfonseca didn't stop there. Within 20 minutes of the robbery he'd just pulled off, he managed to share a photo and video evidence of the act on his Instagram account. Alfonseca posted two videos of the robbery itself, plus a picture of the note he'd handed to the teller. It read, I need 150,000 bands right now, please. Police take three to four minutes to get here. I would appreciate if you ring the alarm a minute after I am gone. Make sure the money doesn't blow up on my way out. When asked about his Instagram activity, Alfonseca claimed that he wanted the police to know that he wasn't armed, and of course, he wanted to share what he was doing. An aspiring rapper, Alfonseca was also looking to gain followers on the platform, hoping a big name in the music industry might see his posts. Police located and arrested Alfonseca with a gym bag full of the stolen cash less than half an hour after the crime. He later admitted that he'd asked the teller for money and then took it from the bank, but suggested he wasn't guilty of robbery because he'd asked politely.
11: A robbery is demanding going and demanding something and taking the money or whatever like that. I didn't do
2: that. Regardless of this bulletproof logic, he was sentenced in 2016 to two years and 11 months in prison. 27-year-old Rashia Wilson was a typical mother of three who managed to steal an estimated $20 million from the IRS. In 2010, police in Tampa noticed a decrease in drug dealing in the city which suggested a different kind of lucrative criminal activity had taken its place. That activity was tax fraud, as discovered in a two-year multi-agency investigation. Scammers were using stolen social security numbers to file fraudulent tax returns. Wilson, rather than laying low and enjoying her profits, chose to fund a noticeably lavish lifestyle for herself and her children, share incriminating photos of herself holding huge stacks of cash, and to proudly proclaim on Facebook that she was involved in the scam. Her incriminating post read, I'm Rashia, the queen of IRS tax fraud. I'm a millionaire for the record, so if you think indicting me will be easy, it won't, I promise you. You need more than black and white to hold me down. And that's to the rat who went and told, as if First Lady don't have the TPD under her spell, I run Tampa right now. As if this social media confession wasn't telling enough, police also discovered expensive designer items and an unusual number of security cameras at Wilson's home in Waimama, Florida. Wilson pleaded guilty to wire fraud and aggravated identity theft. During her trial, she claimed her Facebook was hacked and that she didn't write the bragging status that sealed her fate. Despite this flimsy excuse, she received a 21-year sentence in 2013 and was ordered to pay $3.1 million in restitution. After successfully appealing in 2014, Wilson was re-sentenced in 2015 to the same term.
0: And if that's not enough, here's another example of an upstanding citizen waiting trial for carjacking and leading police on a wild chase, while a child remains strapped in the back of the car, and in the process of attempting to evade the police, also managed to knock over a policeman attempting to stop the car. Now, given all of what took place you may have uh, thought that the guy may have been thinking hey I better keep low profile here and like definitely not do anything or say anything that might impact my chances of getting a lighter sentence right? Oh I'm a ticker too! That's right the addiction to the internet and the lure of making money from it was just too much And as you'll find out, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut. Today, we learn much more about this dramatic case. And
10: Denver 7 reporter Mark Stewart joins us now with more on the story. Mark, he doesn't seem very, didn't seem very remorseful before today.
4: Indeed, and in fact, you could argue the man behind the wheel here was money hungry. Just released recordings reveal he wanted to profit from all of the clicks of the chase received on our own Denver 7 YouTube channel. A high-speed chase through five Metro Denver counties. At times cars were ditched and drivers thrown out the door. At one point a 4-month-old boy was strapped in a back seat. Yeah. My lawyer told me I made the news in the UK and Australia. For the first time since last year's chase, we are seeing a jailhouse conversation. Driver Ryan Stone hoped to profit from his internet fame after the video was posted online. <laughs> by YouTube. So, uh, Channel 7 News, I believe, is going to be the one that gets paid for that. Well, um, I'm going to contact Channel 7 News. During his sentencing in court, Stone made an apology, yet wouldn't take responsibility, blaming his escapade on drugs. He asked the judge to give him a break.
1: I pray you leave me time to start a family of my own with my beautiful wife.
4: That didn't happen. Stone was sentenced to 160 years in prison. Those angels up there actually pulled me out of the way. Trooper Bellman, he almost died. Stone struck him while he was trying to throw out stop sticks.
2: I probably wear this badge and I want to continue to be able to do so
5: to be able to return to full active duty in the next couple of months.
4: A crime spree caught from the sky, ending with a career criminal going nowhere but prison. This guy is a menace, and he is gone from us now, and we are better for it. The district attorney telling the court Stone's legal troubles date back to 2003 when he was either on bond probation or behind bars.
0: Technology in the courtroom is nothing new. However, with the recent pandemic, the court system has turned to using technologies like Zoom to conduct hearings. And for some of those charged with the crime, they thought that perhaps they could fool the Zoom and the court by suggesting they were somewhere that they weren't. And as it turned out, the technology won out on the day.
7: Going to address the matter of People versus Kobe James Harris. Is that you, sir?
0: Yes, Your Honor.
8: Your Honor, I have reason to believe that the defendant is in the same apartment as the complaining witness right now, and I'm extremely scared for her safety. And the fact that she's looking off to the side and he's moving around, I want some confirmation that she is safe before we continue. All right,
7: what are you on, a laptop or a phone? Uh me? Yes. Uh phone. All right. I want you to walk out to the front of the house, show me the house number on the house. Um why? I I, I don't even think
5: this phone has the charge for that, sir. So I'm at like I'm at like two percent right now. I'm I'm hooked up to this wall charger right here. Your Honor
8: knocking at the door right now for Ms. What? The police are at Ms apartment right now, knocking on the door.
7: All right. Would you go
9: answer the door? Uh, yeah, give me one second.
8: You take your phone with you so that I know you're okay.
7: okay. Here.
8: We may need to adjourn this your honor.
7: Uh, so it appears Mr. Harris is there at that house.
8: I believe so, your honor we would ask that his bond be canceled.
7: Yeah, so we'll confirm what we're gonna find here. This is a issue we didn't have when we were at live court. This is the first time to my knowledge, if he is in the same venue that this has occurred. Uh, Kudos to the Sturgis Police Department for following up on this. Um, Let's see if someone can log in uh Oscar edgington do you have contact with sergeant marsh i can try to give him a call your honor yes mr milton yes mr. Milton. who am i speaking yes who, who am i speaking with toby yes your honor me and both don't want the oh. no contact i asked if Debbie dropped i'm sorry i lied to you i knew the cops were outside i don't know why mr. i lied. Mr. Um, Uh, My advice is don't say anything else, take the cigarette out of your mouth. The hearing is adjourned. Your bond is canceled. If you have $10 million, you can't bond out. In addition, the prosecutor is probably also going to charge you with obstruction of justice. It may be a situation of you want the bond conditions lifted, you want them lifted. She does not. We're serious. as a heart attack. It's the first time I ever had anybody sitting in the next room potentially intimidating. I assault, Great oh, All right, don't say any more about it. Your bond is cancelled. You're digging your hole. You've hit bottom and you're continuing to date. Officers directed to take him into custody on a bond violation. Bond is cancelled. We will reschedule this hearing for another date.
0: Dude, dude, shut the f*** up and take your medicine you tried to pull the wool over the court and once again technology and justice has won the day while zoom may be a new technology used only recently in the justice system the use of cameras and other technologies is not in the next grab from the internet we provide some examples of some clueless perps who were waiting for their court dates to be set and during bond hearings they forgot that the long arm of the law i mean the long arm of technology was watching and and listening.
1: This is the Turner Guilford Knight Correctional Center in Miami, Florida. And this is Eduardo Arama. Arama's supposed to be locked up inside said facility, but he's not, and that's a problem. The inmate did not escape. Instead, a paperwork error triggered his early release into the public on what just happened to be his 52nd birthday. It was a nice present, considering Arama still had just under a year to serve, linked to criminal mischief, probation violation, and shooting or throwing a deadly missile into a dwelling or vehicle. Yes, throwing a missile into a dwelling or vehicle. After realizing the mistake, authorities issued warnings to the public, including this wanted flyer. Based on Arama's criminal record, his accidental release was a serious situation. For nearly three days, there was no sign of Arama until he resurfaced in an unlikely place. On a Zoom call with the Miami-Dade Circuit Court, that's Arama who, despite being aware that he's currently a wanted man, looks pretty relaxed from an undisclosed location with a friendly little pooch on his lap. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Broward County court set up an easily accessible portal for remote hearings. Prior to his release, Arama had a hearing scheduled for today that he should be joining from inside the correctional facility. But instead, it looks like he's on the patio. Despite being wanted by police, he shows up for his hearing and is even a little early. At the time, the only other person on the video call is his attorney, Assistant Public Defender Fadya Salem. But after a brief conversation discussing his situation with her, he hangs up before the actual hearing begins.
9: Mr. Arama is a sentenced inmate. He is sentenced to state prison. He was released in error. As you know, Mr. Arama was present. His video was working. Um, Then he turned it off. Ms. Salem, have you spoken with him about surrendering? Judge, I have spoken to him. This is his only request. He has only but a few possessions left to his name and a dog and he's merely asking for the court to uh, give him a date to surrender so that he can find somebody to take those possessions
1: despite the fact that arama is supposed to be in jail salem continues to make the case for a little more free time for her client
9: your honor he's not a flight risk you know answers the authorities calls appears in court on zoom is not at risk for a flight we're merely asking for a day so that he can get his possessions to somebody to take care of
1: but judge marlene fernandez caravatsos seems to think arama's dog-sitting vacation has lasted long enough
9: he's had that day Salam. he was released on monday it's now thursday he needs to render today
1: eduardo arama was taken back into custody the following day without incident The Miami-Dade Department of Corrections issued a statement saying, quote, our review of the circumstances surrounding this inmate release is ongoing to include a full internal investigation. Now to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where Judge John Hurley is conducting remote bond hearings with inmates held at the Broward County Jail. 25-year-old Brian Noval believes he's only been charged with battery, but the record reads differently.
6: Uh, you were charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, domestic violence, battery. You're going to be held no bond, sir, until further order of the court. Thank you.
1: The realization that he's going back to jail starts to sink in for Naval. Are you,
6: f- you kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. That's the truth. You're not going anywhere. That's that's the truth. All right, thanks. All right, Suzanne, what? battery. Oh, wow, I know, man. But that's the way oh, life f- is. What did
7: he say? Whoa, whoa,
6: whoa, whoa. Hey, bring that guy back. So what did you just say when you walked away? I called you a because you're, Woo. you are did you charges I had yesterday. Okay, um, hold on a second, I sir. Had battery sir, I'm this court is inclined to hold you in contempt of court and I want to know uh, from you, give me a reason why I should not hold you in contempt of court.
0: I don't see a reason why you shouldn't be because there's not a reason this should be here. Okay,
6: sir, I find you in contempt of court for using that uh, type of language with the court you just used. I'm going to ask you um, if you have anything to say before I pass sentence. Uh, I apologize I was out of line. I'm just upset because this is not what I was charged with yesterday. Okay, I was sir. charged with a battery. I accept your apology and I will uh, sentence you to 60 days in the Broward County Jail. Thank you.
1: After getting hit with two months in jail, it appears the foul-mouthed defendant may have finally learned his lesson. Oh. Or... Can I take the c- back in? Yeah? <laughs> maybe not.
6: All right, sir, hold it, come on back. Come on back, sir. Sir, I'm inclined to hold you in contempt of court again. Now I'm gonna send you to another 60 days to run consecutive to the prior 60 days. So now you're up to 120 days in the Briar County Jail. Do you have anything else you'd like to say?
2: Decide, uh, no. sir.
6: All right, sir, thank you very much, you're done. I didn't
7: even know could you can do that.
1: Yes he can, and yes, he did. All right, thank you. He was actually released four days later by the judge next up we head to a traffic court proceeding in sacramento california the court clerk is waiting on the defendant scott green who's appearing today for speeding and license tag violations there he is hello Oh, mr green yes yes defendant green is also dr scott green a plastic surgeon
0: hi are you uh, available for trial? It, it kind of looks like you're in an operating room right now.
8: Paging OR6, paging OR6. Dr. Gaff, you have a Zoom court case. The judge is waiting.
0: Nurse, uh, could you please hold these intestines and while you're at it, uh, could you please pass me the headset? I am, sir. I'm in the operating room. Yes, I'm available for trial. Go right ahead. Okay, let me just briefly advise you that the proceedings right now, they are being live streamed on YouTube. That's because traffic trials are required by law to be open to the public. Since we're limiting physical access to the courtroom right now, that's how we're making them open to the public, okay? Okay, streaming
1: or not, Dr. Green is ready to go. The good doctor sworn in and continues to multitask as he waits for court commissioner Gary Link to get things started. So, uh, can everybody hear me? Yes, sir.
5: Officer Monroe, Mr. Green. So unless I'm mistaken, I'm seeing a defendant that's in the middle of an operating room appearing to be actively
1: engaged in providing services to a patient. Is that correct, Mr. Green? Yes, sir. Commissioner Link seems a bit concerned about Dr. Green's setting and his ability to continue the hearing while performing a facelift on a patient. I do not feel
5: comfortable uh, for the welfare of a patient if you're in the process of operating that I would put on a trial, notwithstanding the fact that the officers here today. What's? Sir, I have
7: another. I have another surgeon right here who's doing the surgery with me, so I can stand here and allow them
4: to do the surgery also.
5: Not at all. I'm. I, I don't think so. I don't think that's appropriate. I think we're going to have. I'm going to come up with a different date when you're not actively involved or participating in attending to the needs of a patient
1: looks like dr green's plan isn't going over so well with the court
6: i apologize your honor to the court sometimes surgery doesn't always go
5: as as you know it happens we want to keep people healthy we want to keep them alive that's that's important
1: thank you okay you're both free to go now Although the Zoom received plenty of attention from the media, the original court business was resolved when Dr. Green paid his fines just a few days later. I'm trying to find
6: the case, on Nicoletti versus Stevens, case number
9: 672172
0: seven eight two P H. Hey, that kind of makes me think. If a guy can hold a Zoom court case from an operating theater, where else could a Zoom court case be held? Oh, uh, is that the time already? The court case? Oh just just give me a minute. Give me one minute. One minute. Ugh. Let's move to the pointy end of the judicial system and let's take a look at a prison. Now, you wouldn't think that a prison would be the place where social media would uh, play a big role, right? After all, the prison is a place where those who have been convicted of a crime against society must do their time in a somewhat isolated and regimented existence. But wait, what's this? Prison TikTok.
11: Welcome to Prison TikTok.
9: This is a state stove made out of a melted hot pot. It's how we make our hot water in the morning for our coffee.
11: The lives of incarcerated people that were once hidden are now going viral thanks to the younger generation.
3: People became so hyped up about them. They got to see what it's like behind the wall. It's like a whole nother world.
11: Kevin Smith is one of dozens of people who have posted their prison experiences on the platform. Now, we're seeing the daily meals.
3: That was a good tray that I posted. There's trays that are in there that are so gross, like, it'll run away from you before you eat it.
11: The minimal outdoor time. And the how-to's for prison life hacks, like heating up hot water.
3: I mean, that's literally how we had to make hot water, because they don't have hot water spigots or anything. Everything on canteen that they do sell requires to be cooked, so the only way to cook it is to MacGyver something.
11: And while cell phone footage from prisons has found its way on social media before,
3: These
5: people share
11: this, man. These TikToks are confronting misconceptions of prison life.
3: I wanted to show people what it was like inside, like behind the wall, and that it's not all bad people in there.
11: Due to prisons being hidden and removed from society, mass incarceration in the U.S. is vastly misunderstood, with entertainment perpetuating ideas of rowdy prison life and those incarcerated drawn up as soulless criminals who are all dangerous to society.
2: Anger management, uh,
6: controlling the savage beast inside you.
11: But TikTok is challenging that.
8: People on the outside are seeing
11: people on the inside as people. Bianca Tylek is the founder and executive director of Worth Rises a national criminal justice advocacy organization working to end the exploitation of people that it targets.
8: So I always knew that I wanted to, at some point, work on criminal justice issues.
11: She says TikTok is especially showing the realities of a younger generation that is incarcerated, which is resonating with other TikTok users.
8: As people many times who are young, as people who are charismatic, as people who experience joy and pain and all of the same sentiments that we do every
11: day. And I think that's really, really critical. It's giving people the chance to ask all sorts of questions about prison life, with one being the most common. How do they have cell phones in the first place? Cell phones are contraband in prisons. Lawmakers stress their potential danger to facilitate crimes. There have been some instances where contraband cell phones were used to threaten state senators, blackmail civilians for money, as well as extort other inmates' loved ones. Yet, they still have made their way past prison walls in the thousands.
3: Don't get me wrong, there is people that will use it for bad, you know, like use it to make hits on the outside and stuff like that. But if they were so worried about them, then the staff members wouldn't bring them in.
11: Cell phone smuggling has been previously caught on camera, from being stuffed inside sports balls and thrown over fences to getting dropped by drones. But one way is by far the most common.
8: The only way that cell phones really make their way into facilities in a mass movement or way is through staff.
3: Officers or kitchen workers or, you know, people who deliver stuff. That's how it all comes in.
11: And the punishment for being caught with one can range from time in solitary confinement to years added onto sentences.
3: It's definitely risky, but I figured if it did go any type of viral or anything that it would probably take a while for them to catch on and by that time I'd be gone.
11: Kevin only started posting about a week before he was set to be released back in April, knowing at that point, it would be less likely he'd get caught with a phone. And those we spoke to who are still in prison asked to be recorded over the phone for their safety, like J Money.
2: I go through the extra steps to make sure that I'm careful on my end, you know what I mean? In six years, I got caught with two phones, and then this year, they wrote me up for being on TikTok. In
11: 2018, almost 12,000 cell phones were seized in Mississippi prisons alone.
9: This is a prepaid collect call from... Jeremy Fernandez. This call is being recorded to accept charges. Press one. You may start the conversation now. Hey, babe. Hey, babe, so
11: what's doing? Ashley Martinez is 27, and her fiancé Jeremy has been incarcerated since January of 2019. Earlier this year, Ashley started posting her calls with Jeremy and other aspects of their relationship on TikTok.
8: People be like, Oh my gosh, you're dating someone in prison. Why would you stop your life like that? And I'm like, where? I hadn't seen any prison, prison videos on TikTok at that time. So then I started coming up with all the hashtags.
11: And pretty soon, Ashley found herself part of a community of prison wives posting on TikTok, showing that it's not only those behind prison walls who are affected by mass incarceration in the U.S.
8: Put a finger down if you drive an hour plus to visit. Put a finger down if you always have snacks ready. It just feels better to be a part of a community that can relate to you. I had my doubts about being a prison wife, you know, because it is hard. I do have four kids, and you know, you need that your partner there with you. Daddy. Hi, Cassie, what you doing, baby? If you love someone, you love someone. You just don't leave them because they're incarcerated.
11: I can bet my life on it. Her most popular TikToks are the phone calls with her fiancé. But those jail phone calls add up.
8: They're $1.94 per 30-minute phone call.
0: So far this episode we've looked at how technology and in particular the internet and social media has played a part in the modern judicial system. However, moving away from the authorized and accepted forms of justice, we find that technology has also enabled a new breed of vigilante. Torchers,
4: get your torches.
0: No, 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 I didn't mean the pitchfork kind of vigilante. I'm talking about the masked internet type of vigilante.
10: Our mission is to expose bullies, pedophiles, racists, scammers, and trolls.
11: He's a TikTok crusader taking down one troll at a time. He goes by the name The Great Londini.
10: I didn't realize so I looked around social media and I, I uncovered how much vitriol there is, how much hate there is.
11: The man is a mystery to his more than 3 million followers, only seen in masks and in silhouette.
10: If we are coming to expose you to your parents or the police or your employer, it's because you've already crossed the line. There's no stepping back over it. To those of you who still believe you can harass the innocent, you may want to check our videos. If we catch you playing a stupid game, you will win a stupid prize. I founded the Great Longdini Movement to hunt down bullies, pedophiles, racists, scammers, and trolls, and to make the online community safer.
4: Internet trolls or keyboard warriors have long been a problem on social media, but a former Marine on TikTok is determined to be their worst nightmare.
11: The Great Longdini says he can expose the identity of almost any cyberbully. He does it with the help of 20 of the top cybersecurity experts in the world.
10: One of my most viral videos was of a man who told a police officer to end his own life? I, I mean, I don't like criminals. Doesn't
6: mean I'm going to go wish death upon them.
10: Uh, and I went to find out who it was. And it was a lawyer or someone who had just passed the bar. Would you hire a lawyer that made this comment about a police officer? Neither would we. So what should be done about it? I always think of the issue as an issue amongst mostly adolescent children who are just immature. I didn't understand how somebody so educated would say something so disgusting. If we know that it's somebody who's underage, the major goal, the really the only goal is finding their parents. If we can't find their parents for whatever reason, but we do know the general vicinity of where they live, we'll contact the school district or the school principal and we'll let them see the information that we have. This comment is unacceptable. The child that made it was counting on remaining anonymous. Not with us around. We emailed his parents and school principal. We do know that some children have been expelled from the school because of some of the things they've said and done online. About 40% of the time, we'll get a response back. And the majority of the responses that we get back are, I didn't know, very apologetic. So I would say a good 50, 60% is all, you know, apologetic and thankful and the other, you know, 40% is, It's more more what you would expect from someone who raised a child that would be acting that way. Our mission is to educate people about everything you say and do on the internet. You may not think it has any consequences or, or any adverse effects, but it does and people are taking their lives. We're trying to do that in the best way humanly possible without violating any guidelines. Of course, TikTok keeps moving the target. We were banned nine times. This recent account that I'm on right now, I've had it for a little under three months. If you add up all the followers we've had, we're a little bit over eleven million followers so far. The event that got me involved with what I'm doing is in two thousand and twenty, I had a friend call me and told me that his son, who was autistic, took his own life as a result of being cyberbullied. The last Message he received was about 45 minutes before he took his life. He asked me, How hard would it be to find the people that were harassing my son? So I went online, I looked at the accounts, I got the phone, I looked at all the messages, and I was able to track down, I believe, about seven different individuals. And it turned out that those individuals did go to the school. I found the parents of the kids, and I gave that information to him. And for him, Even though he only got responses, I believe, from two of the parents, he both gave him some closure. It made me feel like, you know, if I can do something, I have to do something. I have to try to help more fathers who are suffering, like my friends. I'm the person that doesn't want you to come home to your child and discover that they took their own life because of online bullying. If that makes me a vigilante, then so be it. The Great Londini isn't a person, there's several people. We had 20 people when I started, and now we have a lot more. I've been in the cybersecurity industry for over 20 years. So when I reached out for help, I reached out to the people who I knew, and they were all high up. When I say high up, we're talking about people at Microsoft, talking about people within the cybersecurity industry for the government that are really the top ethical hackers and just computer engineers in the world. The age range would probably vary between in the 60s down to roughly 27. They kind of walked me through if this is what you were going to do, this is how you would do it legally, ethically and smartly. When we track somebody down who's committing a crime or harassing somebody online, it's mostly information they published about themselves. For the most part, it's just simply opening up their profile, looking to see who they're following, looking at their Instagram. So it's just a simple online search a lot of the time. We have on our website a list of rules that we ask people to follow. The core tenets are don't bully the bullies, never dox, and never harass, right? There have been a lot of times where people will use the name Londini as like the sharp end of a stick. If you don't stop harassing them, the Londinis are going to come after you, or Londini Army, Londini this. It, it doesn't exist. We're basically the technical equivalent of mall cops. We observe something and we report it. If we're coming after you, or trying to expose you, it's a foregone conclusion. We're not gonna threaten you, there's no buyout. Let this be a lesson, no mercy. That I know of, two people have been fired. If it's a crime and we can figure out who that person is, we will make an anonymous tip through the police department's tip line and let them have all the information that we have, how we came to that information and then let the police take it from there. But at the end of the day, our only goal is to get the information into the hands of the people who need it. We have a video of a veteran who somebody asked them to take their own life. And obviously the video was devastating to me. And for me, I wanted, everything in my body was like, no, let's just, let's make this guy a public example. If you ever do this, you know, harm's going to come your way. But at the end of the day, we can't, right? But even though I wouldn't do that, I did do a video and I said, listen, we know who you are. And I, I did know who he was because I actually talked to the veteran. And the veteran said, hey, I know who this guy is. He's been harassing me. You're we going to track the person down. So that was it. We said, we know who you are. Stop.' And we were hoping that would be a deterrent from other people. But that wasn't enough for some people. So a lot of people, including people that claim to be longings, went and found somebody who has a similar name and put their name on the internet. Several users have attempted to dox this commenter. This resulted in an innocent man being harassed. This is the reason why we never post private information publicly. His job was threatened, his life was threatened. So I had to go onto the account again and make another video saying, you're not the judge, you're not the jury, you're not the executioner. You have to let the people responsible handle these things and stop presenting things as facts because you're going to get people either fired, hurt, or killed. I have read the content moderation guidelines religiously on TikTok and I don't violate like them. I, I just, I just don't. Now they change from time to time, but every time they change, I read them and I stay within those rules. So again, I don't know why. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they don't like me calling out the problems. I'm a constant reminder that there's absolutely no way to moderate millions of hours of footage, and there's never gonna be
0: an end game for that. While bullying and antisocial behaviour should not be tolerated, the question is should individuals such as the masked vigilante take things into their own hands and using technology to find and expose these bullies? I am sure some of you may say more power to these people and this should be supported. Others may say this should be left to the authorities as mistakes could be made and the wrong people may be exposed, leading to even further harm. I will leave this to you to consider let's finish off this episode on a somewhat light-hearted look at how the justice system itself has become a meme or fodder for social media and the internet and what a great example of this right now you guessed it the johnny depp and amber heard trial This trial isn't even over, and the amount of posts and meme material that this one event has generated would have to hold some kind of a record. Hours and hours of video of thousands of TikTok users giving their opinions on the case, along with the endless number of memes, of which the one that appears to get the greatest airplay is, of course... In what can only be described as a tribute to Dr. Zeus, is the immortal words of Amber Heard and her recount of this nasty incident.
11: My dog stepped on a bee.
0: So without any further ado, here are some of these TikTok meme Dr. Zeus examples.
11: My dog stepped
9: on a bee. My child spilt my tea.
0: Jimmy Savile shugged me.
9: I want to break free. Didn't want to turn the key.
10: My dad has to pee. My mom's stuck in a tree. I sharded on Santa's knee. I can't say, Turkey tree. You thunder against me.
5: My yard's full of debris.
0: My squirrel got bit by a flea.
5: Without my glasses, I cannot see.
0: Wow. How famous has this just become? Could it be out of the realms of possibility that someday this Amber Heard epigraph could be elevated to live in history among other famous quotes? Such has become the popularity and influence of the internet and social media.
4: Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
3: My four little children One day live in a nation where they will
7: not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills.
0: We shall never surrender! That they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom!
11: My dog stepped on a bee
0: As I do at the end of each of my podcasts, I withdraw my middle finger and dial down the sarcasm and increase the level of sincerity. In this episode, we looked at how social media has permeated our justice system, how those in society who are influenced by what they see, and in some cases, are spurred to commit crimes. We have seen how some who commit crime find allure in notoriety too great a stimulant to deny it, even if that meant jeopardizing their legal case. We see how the court system has embraced technology and how social media has found its way into prison proving that there appears to be nowhere in modern society where the influence of the internet is not present and active. We find that vigilantes have found a home on the web and on social media. And lastly, how videos beamed into our devices allow us to become part of the narrative in strange and peculiar ways. Why not check out our online merchandise with an array of clothing and other merchandise bearing our unique logo and some of the famous quotes from your favourite episodes. Visit our website and support the show and get around town wearing clothes middle finger style I'm your host, DeGaff, and this has been The View from My Middle Finger. You can listen to my podcast episodes on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and wherever good podcasts are found. You can also check out our website. Just search for tvfmmf.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com tvfmmfinger. And remember, if you don't like The View from My Middle Finger, too bad, try your own.